you being a woman having those same mentalities and maybe women that don't have those same mentalities how do you connect with the women insecure man it's not just with us it's also overseas where you have um countries that don't look highly on women you know when it came to sacrifices uh you know being a woman was there any that you regret Mic check one two one two. Nicholas Jackson, give me a shout out. Let us know how we sound right now. Please, somebody let us get a shout out. Let us know how we sound. Welcome to Unpopular Celebrities yeah. once again. Yeah. Jack, you're the only one I see on here, so you gotta give me a hit. There's six people, I can't see them all. We good. We ain't worried about Jack. Some, somebody give me a hit. Let we me got, know what we you got sound. another special guest. Special guest, how you, how we sound on your end? Good. good. I hear you loud and clear. All right, that's awesome. what I'm talking about. Sounds good. Eddie, I appreciate that. Eddie, I appreciate that. Unpopular celebrities back again. Who else? Second live interview once again. Yup. We got a special guest in the building. Well, yes, not sir. in the building. We still doing the, the Zoom in the, thing. In the virtual building. In the virtual building. Yeah, the virtual I like building. that. So yeah. look, we have a very special guest today. So we have an unpopular celebrity here with us today. Yep. Miss Caitlin Thompson. Yep. Security Forces member. Yep. Master Sergeant, United States Air Force. Yep. Female. Absolutely. A lot of big backgrounds to her. We're going to learn everything we know about you, but we always start off with the first question. I, I know you know what it is. Don't let me down. You're probably going to let me down. Don't let me down. You always start with the first question. I do. Uh, but, I, but I just want to say we had to get this in, man. You know what I mean? Okay. We get ready to wrap up um, Women's History Month, you know, and it was only right that we that we uh, we ended it with a bang. You know what I'm saying? So uh, shout out to all of the women in the world, you know, the mothers, the sisters, the aunts, the cousins, you know, the big dogs, the little dogs. Shout out to them all. Uh, because without them, we wouldn't be here. Uh, but let me, let me, what are you doing? But anyway, let me. Well, I appreciate uh, you all letting me come on to, to speak. This oh, is super absolutely. exciting. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we, we wouldn't do it no other way, you know. But uh, you said I always do the first question? Yeah, all the right. same first question. You're going to forget about it. I got you, though, if you all need right. it. Uh, no, I'm just going to say it right now. Okay. So I'm just going to start off. I want to start off from the beginning. First off, let, let our special guest introduce herself. Ma'am, tell me a little bit about yourself. There it is. Oh, man. Okay. So I am Master Sergeant Caitlin Thompson. I'm uh, currently stationed at the 56th Security Forces Squadron. Mm-hmm. I've been in the Air Force for 16 years, going on 17. Okay. Um, law enforcement defender the whole time. All right. And when I joined the Air Force, um, it was actually from here in uh, Phoenix. I was raised in Gilbert. So 16 years, seven bases, three deployments. I have found my way back to where I actually started. Home which base. I think is kind of cool. Yeah, on base, yeah. on base. That's yeah. all right. That's so all right. We got a lot of people in here already. So let me just start with the with the sound off real quick. Nicholas Jackson said, what's up, fellas? Eddie, what's going on, man? Uh, Chief Gilbert said, what's up, fam? Yeah, yeah, big yeah, dog. So he's up in here as well. And, and Nick Jackson said, don't get him started. All right, here we go. Anyway, <laughs> so, 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 uh, <laughs> so 16 years going on 17, huh? Yes. Yeah. So has it has it uh it's been a lot of ups and downs, lefts and rights, I would assume. Absolutely. Um yeah. my career has taken me in so many different directions and I use all of that now to kind of um use analogies and give examples to my team that I supervise now and even just friendships or whatever, whether I'm in charge of people or not, I always pull those experiences in to kind of say, Hey, I dealt with something similar to this. Let me let me tell you my story. Yeah. Um, and what so a- it's it's super helpful. What what uh what made you uh what made you decide to put the uniform on? Why'd you why'd you why'd you join? 
Actually, it's kind of a funny story. Here in uh, Phoenix, there's this place called the East Valley Institute of Technology, EBIT. And since I went to high school here, it was a college preparatory kind of um, trade craft schoolhouse where you could learn cosmetology or firefighting, law enforcement, graphic design. There was a bunch of things that you could use as a, a skill trade. And I was raised by my dad who is heavy into law enforcement. He was an LA County Sheriff, Orange County Sheriff, came here, Maricopa County Sheriff, and now he lives in North Carolina. But I always grew up with a deep rooted passion for law enforcement Mm -hmm. and knew I wanted to work in that field. And so while I was in high school, I attended EVIT for law enforcement, but I didn't really know the path I wanted to take specifically. I just knew law enforcement in general. But while we were there, we had some, uh, a panel of recruiters that come, that came in from all the services, but the only female on the whole panel was in the Air Force and also a defender. And she showed up in blues. And I was like, that that right there. That's what I want to do. Yeah, it was the blues, huh? Oh, yes. I was like, whoa, look at that. That is, (laughs) I don't know what she does, but that's what I want to do. So that's where it kind of started. I was, that was my junior year in high school. And then when I was 17, I had asked both my parents for that permission to join. Uh, My mother did not give me the permission, but my father did. And so I just waited until I turned 18 in July and signed it myself and went off in September to basic training. All right. All right. All right. So let me ask you uh, right into it. Did you understand or know or was it concerned that security forces is more or less, quote unquote, a male dominated career field? I knew because I watched one of those. advertisement videos, I guess you could say with the, the ATV, like yeah, jumping you know, off all the, the cool stuff. Yeah. So actually what happened was I walked into, um, the recruiter and he just, you know, good morning. How can I help you? And I said, I want to be uh, security forces in the air force. I'm and at the he- time my hair was like really long. And the first thing I asked after that sentence was, am I going to have to cut my hair? And this, this master sergeant just sat there and stared at me like, here we go. <laughs> because I just was this 18 year old female that just stuck my head in. Hi, I want to join the air force. Do I have to cut my hair? And that's in my mind, how I felt like I sounded and so <laughs> messing this up already. He was like, come in and sit down. He was like, why security forces? This is literally within 10 minutes of meeting this man. He goes, that's why, shock, why security forces? I went into, you know, my story about law enforcement. I really, and he was like, is there anything else you want to do? Wow. Did never acknowledge the security forces piece. Just he would, mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to do? And I said, nope. Do you want to work on the flight line? Do you want to be in like the MPF or the finance? Or, you know, he starts talking about all the like other things. Yeah. And I was like, um, no, just security forces. And I'm sitting here at this point wondering like why it's such a big deal. And he's like, well, I'm going to say, I'm just be honest with you. I have never recruited a female into security forces. And I've been doing this for four years. Wow. Wow. And so I was like, well, there's always time for a first. Right. He had this map, world map on his wall with pins of all of his delayed entry program, like photos. And he would follow all of the people that he put in. Yeah. And he walked me through the wall and he was like, as you notice, he's like, I've only ever recruited two other defenders and they were both males. I would never, he's like, I told myself I was never going to put a female into that career field. Really? And I just didn't understand. I, I don't think I was, um, emotionally uh, mature enough at that moment to understand why that was that big of a deal. Cause I had no, nobody in my family is in the military. I have no context. So he just was, nope. he tried really, really hard to, to not have me join in security forces, but that's the only thing I went to MIPS paperwork on. And now 
I still have him on my Facebook actually. And he's, he has mentioned on multiple occasions throughout my years, like how proud he is that like the path that I have taken because he just was so mind blown. Like this is not what I ever thought I would do. Yeah. So super cool. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty interesting, you know, because sheesh, we already know how it is with, with the defender land. You know, the first <laughs> thing you, that's, they normally asking you that the moment you walk through the door, Hey, I got, do you want to be security forces? You know what I'm saying? They trying right. to, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah you ain't even close the door yet. You know, I got this uh, badge. You want to wear it? You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's interesting that, uh, he kind of wanted to steer you away from that. Right. Yeah. Um, but so fast forward now to where we are, uh, as a, as a, whole right society military world like what why do you think he did that or how do you how do you think that affected now because like you said it's a male-dominated world you know he just he just he world as far as the career field um and he's just one recruiter so now you put that in the head in the minds of six seven eight recruiters back then you know what i'm saying so the visibility of of women in this in this career field you know was the minimum you know what I mean? So how, right. you know, that could have that could have had a large effect on how many females would to look at this SF screen and be like, I want to do that, you know, because right. the visibility wasn't there for it, you know? Yeah, it certainly wasn't. When I watched that cool recruiting video, um, they, I, I to this moment do not recall ever seeing a female doing it. And I remember asking the recruiter why, like, what is the difference? And I, and I didn't really know how to pose the question because I really didn't know, know anything about the air force or the military in general or anything. And I was expecting him to kind of explain to me his position on why females wouldn't work. If you had told me that you can't be in the army, like, or whatever, a green beret or a PJ or whatever, you can't Uh do one of those special ops positions because you're a woman well, it's kind of been writing at that point way back then where you yeah. they just wouldn't recruit the women into that. But security forces wasn't like that. Like we can recruit women. So why not? Right. Mm. And that was a piece that I really didn't understand. Um, part of what he explained to me, and I've actually heard on multiple occasions throughout my 16 years, is that a woman on the battlefield just like distracts the men on the battlefield because it'll take them away from the fight to want to mm. save the woman mm. because it's and they would always say it's the natural like the courtesy or the chivalry. Yes. Yep. Right. And I'm just like, but that it doesn't make sense to me because I'm carrying the same weapon you're carrying. I'm doing the same job you're doing, but it took many years for me to really wrap my head around that. And through the years, there's been a lot of, I was just talking to my husband about this in preparation for this say, like when I sat here and I started to think about all of the moments where me being a woman and a defender at the same time, like had like those paths crossing created something, a conversation, a conflict, a, a disagreement. Yeah. And it was always about not who I was, but more so the fact that I was a female and a defender. So, right. Okay. We got, we already got questions coming in. I, oh man. I can even, yeah. Before I can even say it. So we are on Facebook live. It's all y'all know. If you guys have any questions, please pose them. I'll do my best to read as best as I can. Forgive my reading uh, illiteracy. I'll do the best I can. Or I'll oh, just pass Lord. it off you're to really, Big Mike. You're really an ability. Yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> Here we go. Here we, <laughs> no, we all have flaws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We you all got 17,000. I, right. I have questions, but they're coming in pretty good. So I'm just going to get to my uh, my viewers, if that's okay with you. Or the sure. viewers. Yeah, and they're, yes. they're all here for you. I can't wait to hear your answers. First one is probably the one I had from Nicholas Jackson. Do you feel being a woman in security forces that you still have to prove yourself? Absolutely. 
every day. And it's, it's different for different reasons, um, different people, different scenarios that come across, but everybody as a humans were created to have a perception of something like that's how our brains were created. We see something, hear something, touch something, taste something, and it creates a thought. But for, for women, for most everybody in different scenarios, but specifically in this one for women, when they see a woman doing something or saying something like that, perception kind of comes in like can she handle it does she know she's doing like do do I look like I know what I'm doing versus not Mm -hmm. um and that's always a hard thing to to challenge because I have and y'all know me I have a very fun giggly personality in this setting but at work I'm very to the point right and so that change off kind of confuses people sometimes and And I feel like I shouldn't have to do that, but I do have to do that because I need to draw that line and I need to enforce that line of what I, what I will and will not allow, I guess you could say. Yeah. So let me, yeah, let me throw another question. So you said at the beginning about that mindset that somebody had for you about how men will protect women on the battlefield. What does that do to you? Cause of course I wouldn't know, and I'm not going to pretend to know. What does that do to you psyche wise? going into, since you have deployed three times, going into that deployment type mindset, does that mess up your psyche at all? Thinking about, oh my God, he's going to protect me and forget about this. Or, you know, he needs to just worry about his mission. I need to worry about mine. Exactly. So the latter of the two. So definitely I'm, I'm very, uh, worry about your mission and look at me as your wingman, not as the female, right? Like, like the same you would do for your male counterpart, do for me and nothing more and nothing less. Um, in those circumstances, when you, deploy. I have examples of, we'd be um, pulling our hundred pound bags with our, all of our, you know, backpacks and our gear and our helmets and everything. And when I deployed to Qatar, I was the team lead for a 13 man team and they were all men. And I was the only woman and I was their team lead. And so constantly they would be asking me, ma'am, can I get your bags? Ma'am, do you want me to carry that for you? Ma'am, you know, and I'm just like, stop, like I'm leading you. Like I am more than capable of carrying this because the moment, and I don't know if this is if this is the right mindset to have. Um, but for me, the moment that I accept that chivalry and I say, yes, please take my bag for me. I've already discredited anything, like all of my capabilities to be matched against the men who can do it. The man who's asking me if I want them to carry my bag for me, I've now given them that. And I, I'm just, I'm not okay with that. I want them to know that if they were injured, I would carry them out of battle. So devil's advocate. So do you think that's just a mindset or do is that just a, a, a internal that you create for you? Or do you think it's it's more of a reality? Because do you think that respect would be lost or is it just the courtesy? Hey, can I help your bag? But I'm not going to think any less of you. So I think that it depends on the situation. Um, if if I'm struggling and my male airman who weighs a buck ten, that's also struggling Right. If you come to me and you don't ask him, that's when I come up to, with that. And I don't think it's a me thing. I think it's a, I think it's a them thing. I think that they are looking at me to help me versus both of us, because had they asked both of us, then it would be, then it'd be all in my head. Okay. And it does happen different ways. Sometimes I got to stop myself from thinking about it. Like why? Just because I'm a woman and I'll never say that, uh-huh. but in my mind, I know that I have that own personal bias that Nope, I got it. I'm good. I appreciate you, wingman. Right. And I have to be kind of cool about it because I don't want people to um, like kind of look negative on that. I feel like it's just a combination. 
Yeah. Yeah. You're getting a lot of people who, and it's amazing more for me, maybe than for you, but a lot of women on here are saying, you know, exactly 100%, uh, uh, pretty much just carrying on exactly what you're saying with, uh, they agree that they're probably facing the same thing with, to me, I'm kind of oblivious to this. So it's really an educational piece for me. Let me get to uh, another question from uh, Chief Mass Sergeant Andy Gilbert. Oh, he said, do you feel valued as a woman in security forces by your peers? That's an interesting question, Chief. So I would say I do. I absolutely do now. I can't, I don't think I would have said that 10 years from now or 10 years ago. I feel like it's something that I have had to earn. And I I meant to say this disclaimer from the beginning, all of the things that I'm saying are just me and my personal experience. This is not to say that this is how every female in the military or female defender feels or thinks they might agree. They might disagree. I'm just speaking off of how I felt. And I recognize that it's not the same for every, everyone, but as far as being valued, I think that I do have to put a small amount of effort into proving that value and when it comes to things that are mostly um, male-centric in our career field. For example, if I have to do some combat-related situation versus I'm typing the blotter or you're typing the blotter or I'm doing a report versus you're doing a report, there is no difference in that. I feel absolutely equally balanced. But when it comes to whether or not I can do combatives or I can shoot better or equal to or worse than my male counterpart, those are the times that I feel like I have to take a step up and say, yeah, let's go. I'm in the fight. Because sometimes my male counterparts will say, not even here at this base, but at previous bases, they'll look at me and be like, for example, if I said, oh yeah, I play Call of Duty. I get the face, (laughs) right? I don't play Call of Duty. I used to back like in 2009, 2010, uh, Gears of War and such like that. And Madden, I'd be on there like, I love football. And so whenever I would speak that, with my male dominated career field, I have no friends. Most of them are men. I have a couple women that are not interested in that. And I am. And so it leads me down a path of why does that make your head tilt? Why are you like, why are you confused by the fact that I enjoy my job? I combat is a thing. Like weapons are a thing in my life. Right. So that's very interesting you say that because I think a lot of men in security forces, we all have stuff in common. Usually we all like sports. We all like video games. I don't know why we're like that. We're all like that. He's an outlier, but everybody else is like that. (laughs) But you being a woman having those same mentalities and maybe women that don't have those same mentalities. How do you connect with the women in security? Is it a little bit harder? Not not even you stole the hell out of my question. Um. (laughs) <laughs> We've been doing I feel like we might have talked about this before. Yeah. Not, not even in, not even just our world, not even the asset world. How does that create a barrier between you and maybe females you want to, you know, connect with or befriend? How does well? I didn't say how does it create. Is there any barrier? Is it like a, a hard way to connect, or you know, is it is it a any any what's a difficulty in in connecting? I would say. Um... There can be, I have moments where I will meet, like I'll go to a gathering, for example, and it's people that I work with and 90% of the crowd are the men bringing their female significant other to the same party. And Mm. I feel like, and I might make this up in my own head. I recognize that, but in my mind, I feel like I should, I am expected to go hang out with all of the ladies and I might go over there and say, Hey, what's up girls, you know, and speak. But then the conversation goes in a direction that I have no 
I can't relate to. It's not that I'm not interested. I just can't relate to it. But then on the, the other side, I hear all of my male coworkers chatting about something funny at work that I was there for. And I'm like, oh, let me go into that world because I, wow. I'm familiar with this. This is my comfort zone. And it doesn't matter if you're male or female. It just happens to be what it is because right. circumstances of, you know, my scenario. So um, I, I don't think that I am not approachable by women or that I would feel uncomfortable. I just think that it just naturally gravitates towards what I know um, so, and not. Yeah. So what is that? A lot of questions do yours, but I'm, I'm okay. I don't Sorry, care. Sorry, I'll talk faster. I'll keep my no, answers short. I'm a talker. No, you good. People. Should have gone two good. hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we should have. Because this is covered in hot. Go okay. ahead. Go ahead. So what does that do for you? What What is that? How How does that? Does it create anything for you? Like, do you do you kind of get back off to your individual self and be like, sheesh, like, do I need to learn how to, you know, connect more with these women? Because like you say, uh, you know, you, you marry. So is that, you know, is that it's like uncomfortable type deal? You know what I mean? I mean, that's a world that we wouldn't understand. So I, I wouldn't say it's uncomfortable. I would just say that I am a person that loves people in general. I am a people person. I am extrovert all the way. And you like what you like and you don't like what you don't like. When you guys are in a setting and something is funny, you gravitate towards that. Or when you can familiarize yourself with something, you gravitate towards that. And so I am no different than that. And I recognize that for me, I'm I'm totally oblivious to the fact that this is happening and I'm just having a great time. But I also recognize that the lady group might be looking at it like, I get it. She works with all the guys. That's why she's over there hanging out with the guys. And for me, I'm kind of in the middle. I don't recognize it until um, those moments arise. And I'm like, well, let me go hang out with the ladies. Right. Y'all are good. Right. right. So I think it's just interesting. All right. All right. Get it. Go ahead. Get get the question, man. Uh, Make sure you read it right. Nicole said, uh, she said, why is she speaking to my heart? Nicole, is she speaking to you? And I'm going to speak for her. Reach out to her. She, she's really good people, really, really good people. I only known her for a little bit, but I'm sure she'll connect with you if you guys want some more to talk about outside this podcast. Right to the question, so right to the question. Andy yeah, Gilbert, Chief right, Master back, back going, coming back with more. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, what keeps you motivated on a daily basis and still in the Air Force, the United States Air Force? Oh, that's a man, we're having all these like real deep, <laughs> deep questions. Yeah, they, they are philosophical. <laughs> so I will tell you that, um, I joined the Air Force in 2004, but I really didn't join until after my 2008 deployment to Iraq. And some of you may understand what that means. Yeah, I, got you. Um, I, got you. I just, I kind of feel like I joined, I had the the uniform I was in, but I didn't really understand it until about 2008 when I went to Iraq and, and got to experience some, um, some things. And so things. coming out from that, and I have a whole, I have a story about that one as well, but coming out from that experience as um, in the, the female non-dominated career field of security forces. Um, I had to find my why they say that a lot. I had to find my why and throughout the different bases that I've been to, I've kind of, it's changed as time has gone on. My motivations have changed most recently coming out of um, being a military training instructor at basic training at PCS here in December. And those last three and a half years kind of changed my outlook from defender to capital A airmen. And what does that mean? And now this is where that separates for me, but they're still, they're still parallel. But for me, what motivates me moving on is just seeing like the light bulb click with young airmen in that case, trainees, but here back in, in our world, um, seeing the value in the fact that I know stuff and I need to share that stuff. 
right. to put it as basic as possible. That keeps me motivated because I know that one day I'm not going to be in the Air Force. And then I wonder who's taking care of the airmen. Right. Mm. So I, I feel like I try to do like as much as I can because I'm at 16 and I don't know if I'm going to get out in 20, but I have this unique experience that I learned through basic training to how to reach out to the, um, to different uh, people and get them all together and move forward in a team. I, I feel like I have a high skill set in that and I'm like excited to, that's what motivates me. I'm excited to give back in that way. Got you. Yeah. So you, you kind of crept into my, my, uh, my next topic I was going to get to, um, being in that, in that, uh, military training instructor world, like you, we talked about the recruiter and how he tried to, you know, uh, redirect you, you know? No. So yeah. now you fast forward and you play a huge part in, um, grooming these men and women that's going to, you know, get into our position or, or join the world that we've been doing for 16, 17 years. So how, what are some of the things you may show you locked in on being in that position, being the, like part of the introduction to this, this life? That your wingman is your wingman, regardless of what they're doing for the Air Force, what their gender is, what their preferences are. Your wingman is your wingman and trying to instill that into a group of 50 young civilian trainees, trying to get them to understand the concept of what it means to be an airman, but not just with that, having it bleed over into my peers and helping them understand that by saying wingman constantly, and y'all have heard me say this on multiple times, like by saying that it, it reinforces the idea that we're all in this together. Right. And I'm responsible for making sure that you trainees are being brought up in a world where you understand we're all in this together. There's no difference between you versus you. We're all in this together. Right. And that I think was like one of my biggest um, hitting like key points. An example that I have of a moment that I, I almost thought that I was going to get my hat taken away from me because I just kind of went off into left field a little bit. Um, it, I was in training. So when you go through basic training, you have to go to the schoolhouse as a military transfer, you go to the schools to learn how to be an MTI. And then you have to go onto the flight that you're pushing to actually demonstrate those skills with a right. trainer. Right. And during that time, um, I had a female flight and my female dorm chief was like sobbing. And I said, you know, what's going on? What, why my trainer standing there, another instructor standing there as well. And she said that, that her male brother flight counterpart across the hall, they were outside um, sweeping the, the hallway floor. And he was making fun of her that, she was coming in as security forces and that she's a female and she can't handle it. And like, he can't wait to see her fail. And he was just kind of throwing some negative energy her way. And when I caught wind of that, it really put me in a, a personal position to be, to want to flip out, like literally. And I can't do that. I'm, a, I'm supposed to be a professional, but in the, with all of the power that I had as a military training instructor, I stayed within those lines, but I had to stay behind my desk because I'm telling this young man just how wrong he is. And I had to give him some personal examples of, of Iraq and Afghanistan and how like you, you are a trainee, you, you don't, you're not even an airman yet. And you're already bagging on a woman defender. And I am a woman defender. Did you know that? No, ma'am. You know, I'm, and it was just one of those things that like, I felt really passionate about. And from that moment, because that happened at the very beginning of my MTI career, um, I, I wanted to use that to reshape the same theory of we're all in this together. Like, don't you dare knock down somebody else. Um, and real quick, I had another example where this young man was trying to, to sweep and he had this push broom flipped upside down and he was pulling it. Uh, and I said, he was 19. And I said, young man, what are you doing? And he said, I'm sweeping. And his wingman standing next to him starts busting out laughing. Ha ha, he, he making fun of him. And again, 
No, we're all in this together. Like if he's wrong, you're wrong. You don't even want to teach him how to properly use a broom. Right. I said, why don't you like, did your family, like, how does your family clean the house? You know, I don't want to be offensive or anything, but like, how do you, how do you not know how to use a broom? I don't want to assume he goes, ma'am, we had a Roomba. Well, <laughs> now I know why you, you know what I mean? Like now I know yeah. why, but yeah, that yeah. was, a, that was a moment for me to understand. And for that other wingman to understand this, we are not in the world of let's, let's poke each other in the face and let's yeah, no. make fun of each other. We're all supposed to be on this, in this together. Yeah. We come, so, we all come from different walks of yeah. life, you know, and for sure. you have to, you have to, the number one thing is understanding, right? We all, right. we all have to figure out how to understand one another, right? To know how to deal with each other. You can't just, assumption, man, is the worst thing. You know what I'm right. saying? You, you assume, you assume the worst of people or you assume something that can be totally opposite than what the situation is. Um, uh, let me, I'm going to hit a selfish question and I, I'll get to everybody else, but it's, it's our up? show. So I'm going to be a little selfish. Hey, go ahead, man. Do <laughs> what you need to do. Are you harder on females being when you were an NCO or now a senior NCO or MTI or MTI, right? I don't want to say TI. Yeah, MTI. Yeah, put the M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But are you harder on females because you think that males sometimes have that mentality of we have to protect, protect, protect females? Are you harder on females because of that, or are you just like equal across the playing board? I feel like the 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 bar it doesn't need to be raised as high with men as it does for the women coming in. I feel like I, I put a lot of energy in the females because whether they're defenders or not, because when they come into basic training, they're already on a different mindset. Like they already are coming in from their female civilian world of that chivalry that we were talking about of what is the normal. Right. And I'm trying to change that mindset so that they understand, no, 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 you're not less than your male defender or your male wingman. Like, you are equal to, and right. so the men come in and they have their, their military mindset of this is where I need to be. And then I, I raise it to here. And then the females come in and it's not that they, I, some of them self doubt, some of them say, ma'am, I can't, and you know, they're sobbing, but the males do that too. It's just more, ha- it happens more with the females thinking that they don't have to meet the same expectations. And we kind of breed that when we have male versus female PT test scores, male versus fa- female statistics of honor graduates. Like we kind of breed that into it. And, and I need them to understand that, no, 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 we're the same. And so I, I spend a lot of time bringing them up to that confidence level so that they understand that again, we're all, we're all the same. Right. So, so okay. Is that something you kind of borrow and, and recognize from your early stages? Absolutely. Okay. She she just added more and more questions. Is that cheap? Yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Um, So would you recommend a special duty to other airmen? And what's your biggest takeaway? What was your biggest takeaway? I would absolutely recommend a special duty. I am biased when I say go be an MTI because that's the experience that I had. I I can't speak for any other experience. Um, But I feel like that changed me, uh, capital A airmen. I feel like it made me value the like the institution of the United States Air Force and outside of what it means to just carry the weapon and be a defender. At that time, before being an MTI, I was all defender-minded. And I was like, I am the best at my job, all things security forces. I can't learn anything else. Like I was very (laughs) hot-headed like that. And then I jump into this other world and realize, like, I know nothing. And I need to start over and I need to be humble. And I need to be have that kind of integrity that says, I don't know what I'm doing. Help me, wingman. 
And then I have to breathe that same mindset into everybody else around me, whether it be my peers or the trainees. Yeah. So I would absolutely recommend it because I came out of that. I feel like a better capital A airman um, and a better wingman overall. Made you made you uh, get more well-rounded. Absolutely. Yeah. What else? What who who else in there? Man, I'm, people in there? I missed probably like three or four. I'm, I'm trying sure to go did. back and so find them. Let me let me let me uh let me ask you oh, right challenges. What was your biggest challenge when you talk about uh when we talk about gender? What what was the biggest challenge for you? I have a list. Oh wow, oh, man! But but for the sake of time, I'm only going to touch on a couple of them. I got um, and I'm a fast talker, so we'll, we'll get through this pretty quickly. Um, some of my biggest challenges was my own personal ignorance to the fact that there was a gender divide in capability. I never was raised that way. And so it was strange to me coming into a world where people were like, can you do this? And I'm like, why can't I? Yeah. Um, it was confusing to me. So there were barriers that I had to break through in that aspect. But my own personal experiences, um, I know that when I, my first duty station was Tule Greenland. And then my second one was Hickam, Hawaii. And while I was in Hawaii, I was an A1C and I was maybe two months on a alpha of a elite patrol. It was mm-hmm. like at least one alpha or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was the female that was on the shift. And so we had this female that needed to be apprehended and she was completely just high out of her mind, just aggressive. And I needed to be the one to calm her down, put her in handcuffs and conduct the search. But I had zero experience ever doing this like real, like it was all exercise, exercise, exercise. I had never done it for real. And so when it came time for me to do it, I was like, ma'am, please listen to me, ma'am, put your, stop resisting. And it's because that's the only way that I had talked yeah. Up until this point, the woman that you know now was not the same woman 16 years ago. Like I was very like that was my norm. I had no reason while I'm, you know, painting in my room at 13, like to be like aggressive about anything. Like that's just who I was. Right. And so it was those experiences where I was failing and this young lady was fighting me back that I had to up the tempo and be like, yeah. no, listen to me. And then it would just have to prove myself. And while I have all the men around me, they're like, you know, you better not let her take you down, you know, so I got them in my ear and I'm trying to like prove that like I can do it, but also I'm getting pissed because she's not listening and I don't know how to like make, make her listen to me. And it it was just that for me, that was not the time to learn that I needed to have learned that before that moment. And that was a learning experience for me. You got to practice how you're going to play. Oh, for sure. And and I'm, I'm a big, I'm an advocate of that. You have to practice how you're going to play. We, we, we have some serious, you know, exercises because if you yeah. don't get scuffed, you know what I mean? If you yep. don't get scuffed in the real world, you need to get scuffed when you practice. But while but I was, I while I was still in Hawaii, um, a couple months after that moment, now keeping that moment in mind of my wingmen and my flight sergeants and everybody looking at me, like I didn't know what I was doing. Uh-huh. Um, I put in for investigations. They put a job out at, out for senior airmen with a line for staff or a staff sergeant. And I was an uh-huh. A1C with zero law enforcement experience. Right. And I went through the interview process. My resume had my name, right? And my total active federal military service date. And that was pretty much it. The rest of it was blank. Yeah. And through the interview process, the investigators asked, well, you know, you don't meet the rank requirement. Like, why did you apply? And I said, because I've always had an interest in investigations and forensics. And I'm going to school for forensic anthropology. And this is just the world I want to live in. Um, and they said, well, what do you know? And I said, I don't know anything. Yeah. Why do you want this job? Well, I just explained that. Well, what are you going to do if we don't hurry? I'll apply again when the next job opening comes up. Like it was very simple conversation. <laughs> right. 
that I thought was like, okay, well, they're probably not going to hire me, but at least they know my name. Right. But then out of seven applicants, I was the one they picked and I was the only one that didn't meet the rank requirement, but they sent me to the MPI schoolhouse. Yeah. And at the time my commander needed to do a waiver because the schoolhouse, the army schoolhouse requires at the time it was E4. Now it's E5, but at the time it was E4. But when my school date was occurring three days after that class start date, I was to sew on senior airmen. So my commander wrote a waiver for me to initially get down there and my peer group and my, I say peer group, but my fellow airmen and the flight sergeants, my supervisors, pretty much everybody in my chain of command that was not me or my commander in the investigation section, they all said the only reason she's doing that or the only reason she got hired is because she's a pretty face. She doesn't know anything about law enforcement. She's like ignorant to the job. She has no experience. And it was just one thing after another. And I felt like the investigation section said that they hired me because they felt my drive was important and that I didn't have any negative um, habits, so to speak, bring into it. I don't have any experience. And so going to the schoolhouse allowed me to have that experience. And that's the only experience I've ever had is the right way. Right. And they were very excited for this moment. And my commander thought the same, but it was a long journey of she's going to fail out. She can't handle it. She doesn't know what she's doing. And again, it's only because she's a woman. They want a pretty face in the office wearing civilian clothes. Yeah. And it it just was the, the, that goes back to one of those moments of feeling like I have to prove myself. Why do I have to do that? Right. Oh, yeah, I would imagine this is probably in that 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 mindset of instances that probably go across the board, you know, in our world and, and outside uh, dealing when you talk about male versus female um, situations, you know what I mean? So but I it's not imagine. just it's not just with us. It's also overseas where you have um, countries that don't look highly on women. Yeah. And you got to play a role in that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, I, 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 that. I, didn't I didn't think about, about that, that one either. What you yeah. guys see you looking at your phone? What yeah. You I'm, talking I'm, about? I'm tra- I'm fucking up, but I'm trying. I'm concentrating on what you said. I'm not concentrating on both. Yo, yeah, 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 if yeah. anybody wants to be our tech guy, we hire. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. hire starting today. Yeah, we're gonna pay you three dollars and seventeen cents an hour. <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, we we really just uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. oh, what's your career goals? There he goes. What's your career goals? Or what are your yeah? What are your career goals? That changes hourly. Um, hourly. Yeah. So sometimes I feel like. Career being, I would like to make senior assert. I think that that's that's where I would like to be. E8, um, E8 for my civilians. Yes, sorry, E8. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like my purpose in life, and I've told my wingmen this almost every day that I work with them, that my goal is to have my job as flight chief, have my E6s and my technical sergeants understand what I do, so I don't have to do it. And sometimes people look at me like, "Why? Like you want to be lazy?" No. It's because I'm trying to train them for my position because I'm not always going to be here. Right. And that's right now. My immediate career goal is to get them to understand what I do so that I can either move to the next level or even if I just decide to get out, that's okay. But that's what I'm focused on right now in my career um, and doing that wingman outreach and doing that professional development and that personal development and trying to attack all of those things. I don't have any goals beyond attaining the rank of E8 chief would be lovely. I actually told my basic trainees that I really wanted to be the first female chief master in the air force, but then chief Bass came along and like, <laughs> smashed that up. she beat yeah. you to it. Yes, she did. So, which is okay. You know, it's okay. So I, I did have those types of, three. I'm sorry, go ahead. There's always room for number two and three. Exactly. I did have those goals, but then I started to realize that there was a divide in my personal life of what I personally wanted to accomplish. And I cannot do both. And 
I'll give you an example. I've started looking into the Department of Homeland Security for um, Homeland Security Investigation Special Agent, specifically to work in the field of child trafficking, human trafficking, child exploitation. And they have to hire before the age of 37. But I hit 20 at 38. Mm. So now I'm like, do I get out at 19 to do this other career path or do I stay in until 20 and then I'm not eligible for Homeland Security? Like I'm kind of at that stage right now where I don't know how much longer I'm going to stay in. Yeah. And it changes. Like I said, it changes hourly. Okay. You're getting put on blast right now. Uh Uh-oh. Go ahead. Yeah. You're getting put on blast. Let me me hear. See your math sergeant's already, already in your path. So what after that and why? Is that chief again? Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's putting you on black. Why is he not sleep? I got some more coming. I got some more coming, but go ahead. Golly, now they're really coming. Go ahead. Okay. Yes, E8 is in my path. Um, chief and I had this long conversation, and I know he's sitting in his room like this, like waiting for the answer. <laughs> uh, we had this conversation about how like I could make chief at 20. Like if I make senior this next, this upcoming. Uh-huh. And then I make chief my first time that could happen right at 20 with the timeline. Um, And I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not, I'm not upset about that. I'm not like, I'm not going to um, deplete my personal life to achieve this thing. Because also I know some of the viewers don't know this, but my husband is also an E7 in the air force. And the higher we go, the, the more they're going to have to separate us and we may or may not be stationed at the same place. And I'm trying to, have some internal tranquility a little bit. I've gone through a lot in my 16 years and I just don't know if, if after 20, like if I'm going to go to 30 and want to be like yeah. a command yeah. chief or anything like that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just don't know that that's whether or not I have the capability of physically doing it. I just don't know that that's what I want after 20. Um, because I don't want to sacrifice my home life or my personal happiness. I'm not like to say that. that I'm unhappy right now. I just want to mm-hmm. make sure that I'm doing things for the, for the right reason for my future. Yeah. So. I like that word. I was, I was getting ready to ask you is, you know, when it came to sacrifices, uh, you know, being a woman in uniform, was there any that you regret? What? Uh, yeah, go ahead. I got a follow up to that too. What's the follow up? Let's talk about it all at the same time. Okay. So, uh, Denise Warner, she said a lot of questions, question I had, I just couldn't think of how to word it. Thank you for asking this. Um, have you ever cried at work out of passion or frustration? And if so, how do you feel? How did any of your male counterparts view you or treat you differently? I did. So I did my best to not cry even up until like this moment right now. Right. Like I do my best not to cry because I feel like when we talk about that perception, everybody has a brain and they think they see something and they have a thought. What I want people to understand is that I am I bleed blue, literally. My husband would tell you this as well. Like, I literally love the Air Force and I love my job. And sometimes when things don't go the right way in my mind, where I think this is wrong, let's fix it. And it doesn't get fixed. Like, I get emotionally hijacked. And I know that that's that's me being vulnerable right now. Like, I know that I need to not be that way. But there are times, there's never been a time where somebody said, I can't do it because I'm a woman and I cried about it. Let me just clarify that's not how that has ever gone but my level of passion in all things has led me to um, kind of be really emotional about it sometimes because I recognize that while other, my sisters included, while other women are off, you know, building homes with babies and doing homeschooling and like doing that, like that stuff, I'm not that, like I'm not doing those things. And so 
when you talk about sacrifices, I don't know that it would be considered a sacrifice, but I kind of think like looking back on it, and this is the, cho- this is the life that I chose to have to include marrying another person in the military. Mm-hmm. And so this is the life we have now. And I have, I need to make the best of what we have um, currently and not look back and think I regret this or this was, I had to sacrifice this because I feel like that's going to bring negative energy into my present and my future. So, and I don't want to do that. So, so, so don't let I'm, her run from your question. What? Don't let her run from your question. I still want to hear the answer to that. I mean, I feel like I kind of sort of did as much as I'm going to put on did. Facebook she, live. She, yeah. she, did. she did. She did. But I'm going to hit you hard. I'm going to hit you hard with this one. I, and at least I think it is. Uh, you know where I work, right? Um, so you mentioned your husband, right? Yes. And just like myself, you are in a interracial relationship. Mm-hmm. What did that bring, if anything? Up, you know, it, it brings it brings things to light that I never knew. I I personally didn't know. Like you don't know what you don't know. And um, having my husband in my life from when we were dating on through now being married, it has brought upon most specifically um, things that I would never experience because I'm white yeah. and. My husband is not. And so when I see him experience things now, my heart is affected because that's, he is my heart. Right. And when I see him spoken to a certain way or treated differently, I'm like, but why? And right. while he does his best to help me understand those things, he was raised with those mindsets. And I was not like, I have no, I'm so blinded by a lot of this stuff. And so having that kind of paired into my own, um, I don't want to say bias, but having people tell me I can't do something because I'm a female, I kind of look at it similarly, like uh, him not being able to do something or him having a disadvantage or an advantage or anything like that because of his race. Now it's kind of all tied together because now we're, we're a unit and moving forward. um, I will tell you my last uh, duty section at Lackland while we were pushing flights, because he was also a military training instructor, there was another Sergeant Thompson in our unit who was white and they would constantly ask him, um, you know, Hey, your wife or whatever. And he's like, no, I'm not married to this woman because they assume, or people will come up to me like, Hey, you know, um, is your husband in the military? And I'm like, or is he a civilian? Like, what does your husband do? I'm like, he works in our squadron. Right. Right. Like he's the other master Sergeant Thompson. And they're like, oh, but then here comes the awkward part. I just would have never like pictured, like, I didn't even put that together. I just didn't think, and I'm, and I want them to finish their thought and they never do. Yeah. It it always gets deaded at, like, I want them to express their, I don't want to say racist tendencies, but I want them to express, you know, their thought of, oh, I didn't know you were married to a black man, but they're never going to say that. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. They just stop it where they think it's appropriate to say it enough, but not all the way. Because they, 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 that, that, I think they understand their ignorance to a certain extent, right? They realize this shit. I'm about to say something. Once they hear themselves, yeah. yeah, When you hear yourself say it, um, yeah, a hundred percent. You know, I, I I just had to ask you that, you know, because like you said, it it brings challenges, you know, and I've, I've, I've experienced it on the flip side, you know, uh, because my wife is Hispanic, but and it wasn't really too much of the military it's more just the civilian population right. you know but they see her for some reason you know they assume my wife is white cuz she's lighter skin you know um mm-hmm. and we we've, we've experienced it too you know so i just wanted to hear from the flip side is act you know active duty military woman uh married to a right. black man you know um because mm-hmm. it's 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 out there you know and there's things that we have to get over we have to uh move forward you know and like you said one of the things you kept saying is together you know um, right. 
we have to move towards it together. Uh, when we talk good. about my husband also being a defender, we've, we both have a weapon on the side of our bed and we recognize like we set boundaries of if somebody were to break in the house, you know, I got his six, like I'm his wingman. He's not going to, I'm not going to be the woman on the TV. That's like, ah, and I stay in my room. Like, no, like we have the same skill set, and right. like we will. And it's he like knows that time. too. Like we've talked about it. Like you do, you do recognize that I will come to your aid, like, and I will shoot somebody if I need to. <laughs> it's an equal partnership. Like we recognize that. And I appreciate and love that about him because he's got a hard job. He's trying to defend his wife, yeah. but also his wife has the same skills that he does. So I can help, but in his mind, he's, he doesn't want me to, because he doesn't want me to be in danger. And I have to, I have to appreciate that. Man, how hard is that? Yeah. How hard is that mentality to hold? Because exactly what you're saying is my question. How you can defend yourself. We all can hear it. We all can see it. We work with you a little bit. We know, I think I know your capabilities or at least what your capabilities are. I'm sure they're expand more than what I even know, but even being married to a, a fellow defender, how do you face that? How do, how do you deal with that? Because as much as we can say it and as much as you can say, I'll have your six and I'll defend you, as a man, I'm hearing it now and still be like, don't worry about it. Yeah. Is, is it a part of you? Is it <laughs> yeah. a part of you that says, all right, like you, you can't, you got to say, it's, it's, it goes from, all right, Master Sergeant Thompson to, all right, babe. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it has to be a switch. Yeah. Um, I would say that I will always put my husband, the babe, right first in that, because I have to, I have to represent, I have to respect the fact that he, um, leads this household in that capacity. Right. I have to give him that and not be this, I got it. I'll lead the way. Let me clear the building. You stay in the room. Like, I'm not going to do that to him because we have those same, those parallel roles that are happening at like simultaneously at the same time. But he also knows that I'm not just going to sit there and let somebody, you know, tackle him to the ground or like pull a weapon at him because I'm coming around the corner, pulling a weapon back. He recognizes that, but it doesn't mean I need to take the lead on that. So I feel like there's a balance there that is mutual understanding, man. We only got nine minutes left. I've been talking for an hour. Good grief. Uh, yeah, hey, time flies. Trust me, we that's do it the, every that's week. That's the MTI. That's the MTI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let me get to these questions real quick. And if you want to wrap a fire, we can uh, so we can hit or cut this off. But uh, do you have any career goals or things you want to accomplish while at your current duty location? That's a hard question because I just got here and I feel like I just got started. Um, I would, I would, I'm my, sorry, that's from Cameron Lakey. That's from Cameron Lakey. Okay, my yeah. assumption, and tell me if I'm wrong, my assumption would just be 100% transition like because you had to flip a switch you had to flip a switch from grooming you know anybody and everybody that was coming inbound to back to defend the world so mm-hmm. i would assume your goal now is let me get 100 percent back to defender land you know what i mean and acclimate yes. it back there are many moments that come across my desk where i in my mind i think about how i would have responded had a trainee done it then or said something and then i gotta uh-huh. unthink that and i know that that may sound ridiculous to some folks but that's a hard transition to unthink about um, on how your mannerisms are and how you speak. And it really shouldn't be because we should all be professional, but let's be honest, like we have workplace that just, they're not professional at all. And you got to sometimes course correct some folks. Right. So, right. Uh, you, you're just getting a lot of compliments in here and you're touching a lot of people. I, 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 I advise you to go back through and just, read all the comments because you're incredible. advising me i appreciate that yeah yeah, yeah I, I advise you hey see we doing a, it's women's history month you got the nerve to tell her you advise her why don't you get yourself together 
Please go back through and read the comments <laughs> that are on what, what would you, as we wrapping up, what would 16, 17-year Master Sergeant Caitlin Thompson tell Airman Basic Caitlin Thompson? What would she, what would she tell her? To not let what other people think is the right decision, um, to not let them overshadow what you think is the right decision, because I will tell you, and that kind of goes back to our main topic, um, not let them try to, AFIs exist. Let me just say that. AFIs exist. There's a way things are supposed to be done, but yet people um, in my upbringing would try to have me do something different or have a workplace environment that is not appropriate. Um, Comments said that are not appropriate that I fell into because I was trying to be cool and I'm in a male dominant career field. So when they say something slick, I reply back with something slick. And I thought that was the way to be. And I would, I'm like embarrassed about those things. I'm ashamed of some of those things. And I'll look back on those and say like, no, 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 stand your ground and tell people when they're wrong. But right. I don't know right. that I had the emotional intelligence or the courage at the time to understand that I had that loud voice that I do now yeah. to cut something off when something's wrong. Um, I would say that's what I would bring back to my airman years is, you know, don't allow other people to persuade or change what you should be doing as a capital A airman. For I sure. owe you a coffee like, for that. I like that answer. <laughs> I, I swear. I, I, I like that answer because a lot of us don't think about that, you know, and I think, and it's not even just the female world, you know, it's the male world. You, when you, when, as you get older in the game and you look back, like, you know, like you said, somebody said something or did something was inappropriate and you kind of roll with it because you didn't know either one, how to communicate that you wasn't okay with it, or you didn't want to be shunned or alienated. Yep. Be the weak or, female. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I appreciate you saying that. Cause it's probably a lot of young females out there eat, in any in any facet uh, that needs to hear that, you know, not just don't don't demean yourself to fit in. You know right. what I mean? If you, if you got to stand off to the side as an individual, but be right, then stand alone and be right. Yep. Don't gather up and be wrong. You know what I'm saying? Agreed. Appreciate yeah. that. Hey, uh, just kind of answered the last question that's on here, but um, we appreciate it as always. I'm glad we got this together. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad we're doing this. I'm glad we're seeing this insight. It, it really educated me. I'm, I'm sure great. it educated a lot of other people as well to what's going on in the world today, either in or outside the military. It doesn't really matter. Right. It's just the world as a whole. Uh, we always leave you with the last word, our guests with the last words. So all yours, whatever you, you want to say, however you want to wrap it got. up. You know, I would say that, and you'll hear me say this often, um, just in the workplace, that for anybody that's listening, make sure that you are uh, perpetuating that positive professional environment. And it's not just what does the AFI say on how I should be professional. Being professional is so much more than that. It's it's being the example of the the leader that you want, right? Because you don't want a dirtbag supervisor. You don't want a dirtbag commander. So don't be that dirtbag supervisor. Don't become that dirtbag that you don't like having against you. Don't be that leader. And make sure that you're empowering your airmen or your subordinates in any capacity that they have a voice. I teach at FTAC, um, so you know that. And one of my lessons that I give is about Air Force communication. And one of the first questions I ask the airmen is, Um, do you feel like knowing the intent of what you're being asked to do is important? And I had this young man straight up say, no, ma'am, I am told to just do what I'm supposed to do. And I am not allowed to ask questions. And he was, 
he's like, my master sergeant said, and I'm like, no, sir, that's so wrong. That's not okay. Like we need to be as leaders more open to allowing the younger generation to do our job right now. Stop saying, well, that's just an airman. Like, no, it's not just an airman. Right. Like mm-hmm. allow them to do the thing that you're doing. Give them that opportunity. Bring them in on the skill sets that you know. Um, there's no reason that there needs to be a divide because then in the same flip turn, you're going to look back on that airman and say, well, you messed up. You didn't do this right. Well, if we delivered our intent from the get go, yeah, then we wouldn't be in this problem. But your ego is too high to say, I'm a master sergeant. I'm a whatever. I don't need to explain myself. That's the wrong yeah. mindset to have. And I see that on like, Almost daily. Yeah, the why is important. The why. The why is important. I think that's just that's just something we we have to get rid of because that you know when we came in that's what it was. You this know is a I mean? this is an us problem. Yeah, right? yep. it's an us problem. Yep. It's a hundred percent. It's at our level because we get so upset when people ask why. You know, they may not be asking it in a, in a disrespectful manner. They just honestly probably want to know. You know, yeah. and knowing why you're doing something sometimes motivates you a lot more than just knowing what it is you need to do. And exactly. I'll say, I, I don't mean to correct you, but you don't teach the members at FTAC. You inspire those airmen at FTAC. And I can say this because I know where I work. I see everything. And they reach I appreciate back. that. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate it. I told you a million times that I appreciate it for what you do for them. Because just I know you don't get to hear the feedback at the end and, and you only get to see what they write down. But I actually hear, yeah. see it. And it's a whole different thing when people can say this. Go ahead, Big Mike. Nah, I'm good, man. I I ain't got much to say. Like I said, uh, well, not now, not anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just appreciate you. You know what I'm saying. I appreciate you. You uh, you joining us this morning, um, sharing your thoughts, sharing your experiences, your challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I we appreciate it. Like I said, we had to we had to go out with a bang for uh, Women's History Month. Yeah. Um, we we definitely appreciate it. Adding you to the team to the 56. Well, I appreciate you having me. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, we know your husband personally. We know he probably both over there cooking some eggs <laughs> silently oh or something like that. Uh, <laughs> and I'm gonna catch some grief for that yeah, probably once yeah. the camera stop rolling. But uh, yeah, definitely, we we appreciate you being a part of our team, being our sister in arms. Uh, you know, and like I said, thanks for having me. Yeah, real quick plug, uh, Unpopular Celebrities, y'all check out the website, check out the podcast, yeah, yeah. check out the Facebook Live. We everywhere, I, it's, I'm going to run out of time if I mention everything, Yeah, everywhere we're at. Listen to this interview time and time again, as much as you need to listen to, as much as you want to listen to it. Yeah. I'm sure she wouldn't be upset if you reached out to her on, on, Not at all. Yeah, on Facebook. Bring it. Uh, platform yeah uh so if you need to uh, like i said we really like big mike said we really appreciate it. hopefully we can get you on again soon uh, uh or sometime in the future and, and just keep keep this journey do a part going. two yeah there yeah. you go do yeah, a part yeah. two maybe get your husband in there at the same time i think that'd be unique yeah uh yeah. get both of y'all in get, there uh get uh dr ruffin what's your yeah. dog <laughs> dr rubble he's laying on his bed right now all upside down like his eyes are in the back let, of his i'm gonna let facebook live know real quick we know them personally i want to let y'all know they have a dog oh and their God. dog has a bachelor's degree <laughs> <laughs> you're so stupid <laughs> hey but appreciate you uh y'all have a good day facebook live go back if you need to go back to some awesome conversation we love y'all unpopular celebrities google us baby we out peace <laughs>